the 49ers renewed their rivalry with the Dallas Cowboys on wildcard weekend and fittingly enough it came down to the wire but the Niners came out with a dub with a 23-17 win over the Dallas Cowboys and will now move on to face a familiar foe in Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. On this episode of the 49er Way Podcast, we will recap the Niners-Cowboys game and look ahead to the Niners-Packers divisional matchup, look at some of the other divisional round games going on elsewhere in the NFL playoffs. We'll talk a little injury report, what's going on with Fred and Bosa. We'll talk about their statuses as well. So keep a lot, stay tuned. We got a lot of great playoff discussion coming your way. And don't forget to give the 49er Way a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more Niners news and analysis. What's going on, Faithful? Welcome back to another episode of the 49er Way podcast. The Niners are moving on to the divisional round after a win over the Dallas Cowboys, 23-17. to We're going to get into that matchup in just a little bit, and then we'll look ahead to the Niners matchup as they will take on the Green Bay Packers in the divisional round. Jay Soda, Zach Chevy, we will be shortly joined by a special guest on our episode, which we will get to in a little bit but for now while we wait on that Chevy what's going on how'd you enjoy this Cowboys game it was another nail biter down to the wire oh man this game was awesome for any 49ers fan I mean it started off perfectly Jimmy G was rolling the defense was rolling everything was in cohesion and then it did get a little scary at the end especially in the fourth quarter but Thank God for a both a little bit of the ref helps and also just the unnecessary penalties on the Cowboys. Like the Cowboys did this to themselves. They took so many bad penalties that they didn't need to make. And it, it was just a, you know, a blessing for us. It helped us win. And we get to see one more game of Jimmy G at least. And I'm very excited for this week against the Packers. It's going to be such a great game at night too. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, just setting the stage, A15 prime time. Lambeau Field, Frozen Tundra, Niners Packers, Shanahan LaFleur, Garoppolo Rodgers. It, it, it doesn't get any, with a trip to the NFC title game on the line, it really does not get any better than that, even when I just say it like that. And and we'll, and we'll get into that matchup, and we'll also recap this Cowboys game in a little bit. Um, we'll get to some initial takeaways. But, you know, you're right. I mean, the, the penalties were horrifying for the Dallas Cowboys in this game. Really just killed them. Um throughout the entire game really right from the get-go but the Niners things kind of slid off the rails in the second half a little bit gave momentum away but overall I'd say the Niners did a good job being able to hold the Cowboys to what they did and I'm going to talk a lot about D'Amico Ryan's in this defense uh, throughout this episode but overall just a, a really great job by this team to find a way to win and and I know th- this team's been doing this all year this is a great a gr- truly just a great win for this team yeah, you know, I, I really think it truly is a great win for this team. This defense is playing on a different level right now, and, and it's ridiculous. You know, Bosa goes down, Warner Warner goes down, and this defense still puts up insane numbers and stops everyone when they need to. Like CeeDee Lamb being held to one reception for 21 yards. For so long, I thought there was no chance CeeDee Lamb was uh, going to be held without a reception. And then here he goes, and, and we were just stopping him, man. It was just such a good game uh, on the defensive end. And, you know, Zeke holding for 31 yards, Pollard for 14. Like, this is exactly what we needed to do if we wanted to win. And uh, it's what we did, you know. We shut down Dak, we shut down the offense, and then our offense just feasted. Uh, it's just what we did, you know. 
Yeah, no doubt. And with that, let's get right into this thing here and let's welcome in our guest for today's episode. A good friend of mine from back in really all like high school-ish right there. Um, let's welcome in Jack McIntosh. He's a beast. He, we used to be a beast on the football field. Now he's tearing it up on the rugby field. Jack, what's going on, my guy? It's been a minute and glad that you were able to take the time out and join us today. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, no doubt. So let's get right into this thing. Zach and I were just um, talking about our initial thoughts from this Cowboys game. Um, so we're going to start right there. So what were some things that, that when you were watching, what were some takeaways from this game? I mean, it was it was quite the, quite the ending. It started off pretty good, but then near the end, things got a little, little dicey. But what were your takeaways from this one? I was most impressed with the control the 49ers had over the game in the first half. Like, just everything was going their way, and they were playing that style of, like, smash mouth, run the ball football that obviously Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers are known for. So everything started off great, and then I guess in the second half, there's a couple turnovers and things went downhill. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that's kind of where it started. And that's what we were just talking about, too. The momentum shift near the end. I kind of single out that fake punt. And I knew it was coming because I know John John Fossil on the Cowboys, the special teams coach, is very sneaky when it comes to things like that. I was waiting for it. And I think it was early in the third quarter. They, they punted. And I was like, okay, I was kind of expecting a fake here. And then they did it after that. So I kind of thought that was a little bit of a momentum shift. But overall, the way that the Niners were able to keep their composure throughout this, I thought was great. And my biggest takeaway in this game was the defense. I thought the defensive performance was just incredible without Bosa, without Fred down the stretch. The fact that they were able to keep it going. And Zach, just as you were alluding to before, how they were taking away CD Lamb and the way that they schemed that was, I thought, just a terrific job. And I go to D'Amico Ryan's just so much credit to him for the way that you scheme against this ridiculously stacked Cowboys offense and really just a hell of a job in that regard. But the other point in this game too. So when you look at the injury report, so Bosa goes down with concussion. I I'm pretty sure he'll be all right. I think he will. Yep. Fred goes down with the ankle injury. He says he's good to go. I trust him with that. I don't think anything's keeping him out of this one. And then Jimmy injures his shoulder as apparently he was trying to protect his thumb. Now he's with a shoulder injury. I don't, I don't, I think he'll be fine going into this thing, but I mean, he's been in the cold weather before, so I think he'll be fine, but that's my only little concern um, in that, in that matchup. But Jack, when we've had previous guys on, on this podcast, the number one thing, obviously we're talking to in the playoffs. So I do want to get some of your takes on how you've been feeling about this team throughout the season. What are your kind of thoughts on the team as a whole? And obviously we ask everyone about this. Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously, this is more than likely going to be his last season as a 49er. So what are kind of your thoughts throughout the season with this team for where they are now? And then what are some of your opinions and thoughts on Jimmy G? So when the season first started and they uh, started off 2-0, and I thought it might be uh, more similar to the 2019 season where they went 8-0 and to start and were dominant. Uh, but then there was a couple of injuries and they lost a few, what was it, four games in a row. And I started getting that same feeling where the injury bug is on the team and people are dropping left, right, and center. And I thought for a while the season might be lost. And then uh, they started stringing together wins in the back half and looked really good and snuck into the playoffs. So I guess I was impressed with the resiliency of the team this year. And uh, I, you know, I think they're still like a strong contender and they're a little bit underrated going into the playoffs because of that slow start they had. And then in terms of things with Jimmy Garoppolo, um, 
when he first came to the team and that first whatever he started five and oh I thought for sure they had their franchise quarterback and then they made that Super Bowl run two years ago and I thought that really cemented him um, but he just can't seem to stay healthy I've so I've always kind of been a big supporter of him when he's on the field but in the NFC West like such a tight competitive division like I just don't think we can have a quarterback who uh, who misses six games a year so I, I you know I but I'm looking forward to to the start of Trey Lance's career. Zach, you got anything with that? Yeah, you know, I I agree with him. You know, when Jimmy's healthy, Jimmy's giving us everything he needs. You know, he's a winner. But when Jimmy throws a pick, it's just, it irritates me. And, and, you know, that pick during the Cowboys game, it it was just unnecessary. That that, that was a throw that should not have happened. Uh, And it, it was just another reason why... It's a turnover, and you know the the game's almost taken away from us. We had we had to hold hold our breath there a couple of times, and, and that's the thing about Jimmy G. Like I love him, I love Jimmy G to death. I think he can win us the Super Bowl this year. You know, he gave us that amazing chance in twenty nineteen. Like he he definitely needs to be cemented as one of the great quarterbacks at San Francisco. Uh, but he he makes these mistakes, and you know, and, and he's when he's healthy at times and, and he's not even always healthy so you know I, I think the transition's needed and I'm excited to see Trey next year but I, I don't even need to talk about that because we're still talking about this year in Jimmy yeah I agree and I would say for sure that I think the interception that he threw was the turning point of that game and kind of mm-hmm. let the Cowboys get back into it especially because they're in their home stadium uh and got a little bit of momentum from that and like the thing I like about like Trey Lance compared to Jimmy G is I think in that situation where he threw the pick Trey could have extended that play with his legs, maybe picked up one or two yards and gone out of bounds. And that's a spot where Jimmy feels like he has to throw the ball because he doesn't have that that dynamic athletic ability. Yeah, that's a that, that's a terrific point. And Chevy, you and I both have said this throughout the season too. The difference between Jimmy and Trey is obviously the fact that Trey is more of a dual threat and he can run and pick that and, and pick up those yards. But my thing with Jimmy, and this has been a problem the whole time, like just singling in on this one interception in this game, is just just throw it away. Like, don't try to do too much, especially mm-hmm. when you're backed up in your own 20-yard line. Don't try to do too much in a playoff game like that. It's just not going to serve you well. It was just bad timing. I knew it was coming. I, like, the whole week leading up to this game, I was saying, it's almost, I would bet on it that Jimmy throws the pick and Trayvon Diggs gets a pick six or something like that. It wasn't him, it was somebody else. But either way, Jimmy threw a pick. It was terrible timing, but luckily we found a way to uh, um to get it out. And then piggybacking off of both things you said there, Jack, starting with the season. I mean, geez, if you were to tell me after three and five at week nine that the Niners would be one win away from the NFC Championship game, I'd be like, holy crap, like that is... I'd, I would be shocked, really. I didn't think we were a playoff team at all in week nine. And now here we are really where I thought we should have been before the season. My expectations were kind of where we're at right now. But we'll see what they could do against Green Bay. And then as for Garoppolo, I, I, you know me, I've always been a pro Jimmy Garoppolo guy. And solely because of the reason that it's funny, I saw a few really good comments from different people. And I, and I want to bring up all three of them. One Matt Mayoko, 49ers reporter, he went out and said, this is all part of the Jimmy Garoppolo experience, right? He does some great things. He does some bad things, but we win and we make the playoffs and we do well. But then comes with it, those, there's some boneheaded decisions. There's some, you know, interceptions or times where he should have thrown away and he doesn't. 
It's all part of the Jimmy Garoppolo experience. I thought that was very accurate. I thought that's exactly what it is with Jimmy. He will make your heart go insane in a lot of different ways. He'll make some great plays and then make some stupid plays. But in the end, we end up winning and we end up going far. The, the two times Jimmy Garoppolo has been primarily healthy. Obviously, he hasn't been the most healthy this year, but he's been healthy enough for us to get to this point. The second one was actually on the Richard Sherman podcast. And I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter yep. throughout this game. Sherman was actually tweeting a lot of things about us in that game. He was credit DJ Jones for a sack. He was shouting out Garoppolo. I thought that was real cool of him to do that. But he also said on his podcast this week, he said that I almost feel like the faithful are taking Jimmy Garoppolo for granted in the sense that they're not appreciating winning. Even when the 49ers win, somebody has to say something. Oh, Jimmy should have thrown that pick, right? Or Jimmy should have done this, or I want Trey Lance. When we're winning, and I thought that was a great point because a lot of 49er fans have been like that throughout this season. They are so quick to be like, nope, Jimmy, you're done. Meanwhile, here we are in, in the divisional round, which really does not happen very often for us 49ers to be this far into the playoffs. So I thought that was definitely something to kind of add on for Garoppolo. I'm going to be sad when he's gone. I want us to keep this thing rolling as much as we can. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. And then one last thing I do want to add from this Niners win over Dallas is, I got to say, I'm truly happy for two specific players, and that's Alex Mack and Trent Williams. These are two guys that haven't had a ton ton of success in their career. Alex Mack did. He went to the Super Bowl with Shanahan in Atlanta. But Trent Williams, this was his first ever playoff win. I cannot be more happy the fact that we're able to sign these guys late in their careers and get them on a nice playoff run to make it worthwhile. I'm really glad and, and happy that we're able to do that for them, and hopefully we can keep that going. Um, the one thing I do want to ask both of you is after this game, I, again, I said it earlier too, the defensive performance was just exceptional. The job by D'Amico Ryans, the resilience of this depth. Jack, I'll let you go first. What were some of your takeaways, and how impressive was this defensive performance for you? Well, when I saw Bosa go out with the head injury and then uh, Fred Warner go down as well, and the Cowboys were rolling after the turnover and the fake punt, I thought, well, this is it. Like, those are debatably the two best players on the team and easily Absolutely. the two best players on the defense. Um, both of them leaders on the field as well. So I kind of thought it was over. And yeah, like credit to the, the defense and the coordinator as well. Because, you know, he's plugging guys in who probably haven't seen the field much all year. And they held, I'm pretty sure the Cowboys were the number one scoring offense this season, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and they, so they held the number one offense uh, to to 17 points, like, without their two best players. I just, yeah, just just credit to the, like, the way they come together as a team. I think that's that's definitely what got them through that. Chevy, what were your thoughts on this yeah. defensive performance? Yeah, you know, you know, I I gotta talk about one thing and a thing that I've talked about a lot on the show, but not necessarily for a positive uh, reason, and it's the secondary. You know, the secondary really kept us in the game. First of all, I gotta talk about the big interception from Kwan Williams. That was a beautiful catch, and, and I was uh, I was freaking out when he made that interception. It was such a nice play, and you know. Having him back at nickel, it just opens up. It, it helps the defense so much, especially in the slot, because, you know, we were getting beat up in the slot last week uh, by Cooper Cup. And, and not having a K1 really hurt the team. And having him back this week really helped get everyone in sync. And then E-Man, 12 total tackles to lead the, te- to lead the team. That's just ridiculous, man. Like, seeing him come back and being that cornerback one that we need, 
he he's done everything. And, and then Ambry Thomas, like he he has flourished as a rookie uh, all season long. You know, coming in rough, but but now you know he, people aren't targeting him, and when they do, he's he's not he's making plays. He's not letting them do anything. So you know, I, I got to give a huge shout out to the secondary and what they did uh, on Sunday on Saturday. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, the secondary has been our weakness all year long. That's kind of the one thing everyone kind of pinpoints um, for this Niners team. If they had to pick out a weakness, everyone kind of goes to the secondary. Emmanuel Mosley has been terrific all season long, honestly. And considering he missed the first few games of the season, ever since he came back, he's been terrific. And when he went down later in the season, I'm like, why in the hell do you have to take Emmanuel Mosley when he's playing so well? We already lost Jason Verrett early in the year. And it's crazy that sometimes I even forget Jason Verrett was even on the team. I mean, yes, it has been that long, but Emmanuel Mosley's been that good this season. And Ambry Thomas has just gotten better by the week. And I was just about to say, as you said, K1 Williams said, how big was it to have him back too? Because mm-hmm. he played great. And Ambry Thomas has been great as well. And then the one thing I'm going to bring up here is obviously the last time we played the Packers in week three, Devontae Adams torched us. I think for like 12 catches, over 100 yards, destroyed us. Josh Norman was starting that game. Josh Norman is now on special teams. And of course, the one time Josh Norman touches yep. the field, he gives up a catch on a fake punt. But anyways, I'll, I'll love the Josh Norman. But Ambry Thomas has been great. E-Man's been great. And they're going to need to be great again because the Packers might be welcoming back Randall Cobb, who's a threat. The Packers got threats all over the place. So it's going to be another tough task for this team to be able to try and do that. And look, D'Amico Ryans, I, I thought about this earlier today, and I'm like, I got to bring this up. If D'Amico Ryans does leave, I hope he doesn't. I hope he's with us for at least one more year. Hey, Vic Fangio's on the block. I mean, mm-hmm. I think he would be terrific just in case if, if we lose D'Amico. He's he's out there just in case the Shanahan's looking just in case. But I'm hoping D'Amico Ryans stays because I think his energy just matches the way that we play. And it's just a great fit. And he's been absolutely terrific from that from that earlier game in the season against Arizona, getting shredded by Colt McCoy and the Cardinals. And quite frankly, Colt McCoy and that and that Cardinals team that beat us in week nine, that, that team probably could have put in more of an effort on Monday night than the actual mm-hmm. number one team against the Rams. But, you know, aside from that, I thought this was a hell of a performance and they're going to need to do it again against, against the Green Bay Packers um, going on to Saturday night. So when you're looking at this game, Niners-Packers, obviously a lot, going on in this one. We know the deal with Shanahan and LaFleur. We know what happened in week three. The Niners were very close. They didn't play a great game in, in that game in week three, and yet they still came two points shy of getting that win. They were down 17 nothing in that game as well. Jack, what are some of your initial thoughts going into this game, saying what the Niners need to do to win this game? Well, like you said um, with the Cowboys game, that the, that the secondary was crucial. Um, what is kind of a comforting thing for me is that I don't think the like the Packers definitely have weapons, but I don't think they have near as many weapons as the Cowboys do. Um, so if the 49ers defense short Nick Bosa and short Fred Warner was able to keep them uh, keep them down, I think they'll be able to handle Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Uh, that being said, though, this is going to be a cold outdoor football game, uh, which is going to which usually leads to more runs and uh, less throws, and I think that favors the 49ers. So I, I don't want to be too optimistic, but in the past, when the 49ers have been rolling and healthy, they've matched up really well against Green Bay. And I think being in a cold outdoor game, they'll have the advantage again. Um, just what scares me a little bit, though, is Aaron Rodgers is out to prove something this year. We all know about his issues with the front office during the offseason, and this has been like some sort of revenge tour or 
last dance type of thing. And I just feel like if he really wants to will his team to a win, he has the talent to do that. And uh, I think he'll be on full display on Saturday night. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with uh, your assessment. I, I, I think that it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be a bit of a difficult game. You, you can't stop Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. Even if you think you can, like you can't. Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks uh, physically that we've seen in, in the last, I, I don't know, however many years. He, he is so good at what he does. And he, you're right. He is on a vengeance. He's on a, he wants to this win. He's kind of saying it as it's his last dance, kind of as we're saying it's our last dance with Jimmy G. All the offense, you know, every last game they're treating it, or every next game they're treating it as Jimmy G's last game with them. So they're playing their hearts out, and you know that the Green Bay is going to do the same thing. So, yes, if our secondary can keep up and uh, contain Devontae Adams, I think we have a decent chance in this game. You know, our run D has been pretty phenomenal recently, and they do got two really, really good running backs with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I just think they're going to utilize them more out of the, like, out of passing situations. Uh, you know, it is a snowy game potentially, so they may be running the ball a bit. But yeah, if we can stop the run and contain Devontae Adams, it's going to look good. On the defensive side for the Packers, you know, it, it, they've looked a lot better this year than in previous years. Devontae Campbell has been amazing for them. Same with Rasul Douglas, uh, Eric Stokes. Their secondary, they, they've improved uh, a lot and their defense has come together unlike the start of the year. So uh, I, I am a bit worried about that and uh, how we're going to uh, attack. But, you know, they also haven't seen Elijah Mitchell. In the first game uh, against the Packers, uh, we used Trey Sermon the entire time. We didn't use Elijah Mitchell. I think he was probably injured. So uh, Elijah Mitchell is now going to feast on the Packers for the first time, and they don't have that footage, unlike other. And Debo's now in the backfield, which he wasn't originally. So I, I think uh, for us, it's going to be using the run game again, like we always do. you got to – take that time of possession and, and you got to use the run game, use it in your play action. And uh, that's going to be the key to success again this week against the Packers. And while we're on the topic of, of the run game, I cannot give enough credit to Elijah Mitchell for the success mm -hmm. of the 49ers in the back half of the season. Like, Let him know. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm sure you guys have discussed this on the podcast in the past, but like, wow, just talk about a rookie who came out of nowhere and is just like such a like hard working nose down type of player. He's just, I don't know how many touches he's averaging a game, but it looks like he gets beat up on every hit and he somehow is every time right back up and ready to go. And just, I think, I think he might be responsible for the turnaround of the 49ers back in week five or six. I am so glad that you took the time out to go and ahead and say that I've said that for the past few weeks, I've, I've taken at least a minute or two out of each episode, just to praise Elijah Mitchell. He has become one of my favorite 49ers over the course of this season I, and I've said this, and this this is a lot for me even to say this because th there's been a lot of great running backs. And obviously, we know Kyle Shanahan's system and how many different running, but not even him, even dating back to his dad, Mike Shanahan, all the different running backs that they've turned into a thousand yard rushers. But for, for looking at 49ers running back specifically, I have not seen a running back be this physical, this fast, and this powerful since Frank Gore. And that's saying a lot. Because Frank Gore, we all know, is one of, if not the best running back to walk through those doors and wear red and gold. Elijah Mitchell, the way that he plays just fits the way that the Niners play. And with Debo back there, it's an unstoppable one-two punch. Zach, that was an unbelievable point that you made about week three. Because Trey Sermon got the start. Elijah Mitchell was hurt that game. And the Niners rushed as a team for 67 yards that game. 
and they actually gave up 100 yards rushing to the Green Bay Packers collectively. They haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher, I think, in a, quite a few games. I think it's, quite, it's been a streak now. But they actually couldn't stop the run. It's been a little bit of a role reversal. But now these teams are so different when you look at them both. And I feel like this definitely favors the Niners. And look, I haven't looked at the weather report. I heard it's going to be cold as hell, as expected. But if there's snow, oh, Lord, the last time the Niners played a snow game was, I'm pretty sure, it was in the, the, Chip Kelly, the Chip Kelly era in Chicago. And Kaepernick had like six yards passing. And lad, nah, nah, that's just bad memories. But luckily this time we have a much more innovative play caller, not Chip and his Xbox play calling this time around. But <laughs> when I'm look, but, but when I... But when but when you are looking at this at this matchup though again, I like where the Niners match up, and again it's the run game. All the stuffs kind of come up how Aaron Rodgers is zero and three against the 49ers all time in the postseason. The Niners went wild in 2012, of course. All three of us remember that when Kaepernick went wild, ran for 181 yards. I think he set the record for for a quarterback rushing in that game. Not the, the Packers could not stop the run. 2020, of course, two years ago, NFC Championship game, Raheem most runs over 200 yards. They could not stop the run. Zach, exactly like you mentioned in week three, the Niners lost by two points. The Niners did not have a run game. They were not using Debo Samuel the way that, that they were that they are now. And Elijah Mitchell was not playing in that game. Both of you made a great point, right? Jack, you just went on to say that Elijah Mitchell could be a difference maker in this game. I absolutely agree. Because this game, in the cold weather in January, this is built for what the Niners do best. They got a healthy O-line. Jimmy's not totally healthy. You run the football and you control clock, it's game, set, match. As long as you keep 12 off the football field, I, I cannot see a way we could screw this up here if we play that brand of football. It's built. And that's what I said the other day, too, that it, it's a shame the Indianapolis Colts didn't make it because games like this, are, are they're built for Jonathan Taylor and that offense are built for games like this. And the Niners are exactly like that. So, I'm excited to see that, but another storyline in this one, obviously Shanahan and Lafleur. What the I, kind of spinning off this a little bit, but I want to get your guys' takes here. Obviously, it's amazing how Shanahan, Lafleur, and McVeigh have kind of ruled the NFC since all three have gotten head coaching jobs. Now Shanahan has been in the playoffs twice, made deep runs. Now Lafleur has led the Packers to back-to-back one seats, and McVeigh has made the playoffs. I think what is this like four out of five seasons with the Rams. And here they are, three out of the four are in the final four again in the NFC. I think that's really impressive. Yeah, you know, it's the Washington combo from uh, 2013. I saw a picture today of all three of them, you know, saying watch out for them. And now here they are, three of the four uh, NFC uh, teams left. And it's just remarkable seeing what they can do. They have such innovative minds. And I think they're really going to be the future of football. Yeah, absolutely. Like, just the resumes speak for themselves. I just cannot believe that Washington had all three of them in the building and uh, somehow are out of the playoffs today. I mean, that kind of just, I mean, that's probably the most Washington thing that that we've had. Yeah, that's, it's today. You just summed it up right there at its best. But I thought that was kind of cool. And I do think when you look at the NFC's final four teams, obviously got the Buccaneers and the Rams playing in the, in the other matchup in the, in the divisional round. I think you got the right four teams that are in the final four here. There's no surprises. There's not really any team here. I know the Niners are the sixth seed. They were three and five earlier, but I think obviously we know what they could do. Like I, I was never phased. I knew if they got back to the brand of football, obviously once week 10 hit and they, they destroyed the Rams, I was like, okay, if they if we can keep this up, 
we can make a deep run. A lot of other people didn't didn't realize like they just look at our record. But if if we play that brand of football, that's where we're at. Now you got Bucks, Rams, Packers, Niners here. I think I, I'm just gonna be real with you. If we beat Green Bay, I'm I'm just gonna be a wreck regardless who we play next week. If we have to play the Rams again, I don't know if I can handle another week of a lead up to that. Chevy, you know that when we were when we were talking about we were previewing the Rams game in week 17, I was like, oh my god, do we really have to do this again? Now we we could potentially be playing the Rams for a trip to the Super Bowl on the line. I don't know if I could handle that. And then the other option would be Jimmy Garoppolo versus Tom Brady. Yeah, that's not going to help either. That's just absolute madness. But, um, Jack, let's kind of get away here from the Niners, and let's talk about – I want to get your opinion on some of the other matchups. Let's start with the Bucks rams um, What are you kind of looking for in this game here? Um, as obviously this is a rematch, too, from week three. Yeah, um, so the thing is about the Buccaneers is I'd say out of the four uh, remaining NFC playoff teams, they're probably the team I've watched the least this season. Obviously, I've seen a lot of the Rams being in the 49ers division and the Packers as well. Um, but what just, just kind of scares me about the Bucks in terms of a matchup is that they have a good dominating run game and it's Tom Brady with a bunch of weapons as well. So I would say, uh, even though the Packers are the one seed, um, I think the, I think the Bucks are a team to watch out for. I'd say they're probably the biggest threat. Um, but they're going up against the Rams this week. And if I had to give a prediction, I'd pick the Buccaneers to win, but you know, Sean McVay is such a young, innovative coach, and Bruce Arians has been around the league for a long time. I think that the young Sean McVay might be able to out-scheme him and outsmart him, especially because he has so much more film from Bruce Arians to look at. Um, so, yeah, that'd be my pick. Uh, would be the the I I don't know that that's a fifty-fifty one actually. I don't think I can give a a decisive answer either way. And then obviously with the 49ers, I'll I'll pick them over Green Bay. Yeah, uh, for for the Rams, Buccaneers, like, listen, Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. He's not losing this game. Uh, I, I don't care what anyone says. They may get uh, Leonard Fournette back. If they get Leonard Fournette back, like, it, it's over. Leonard Fournette, playoff Lenny, he's crazy. He, he doesn't lose games. He only wins games, you know. The offense has been flowing with Brady and Mike Evans. You know, Chris Godwin's not there, but Tyler Johnson's been stepping in for them. But, I mean, you know, one big thing to watch out for for the Rams is uh, Cam Akers. Cam Akers being back is has been great for uh, McVay and the Rams. He's just been so dynamic in their offense. Uh, he gets those big plays, those big rushes that really help spark the offense and, you know, set up the play action because uh, once they get the play action going, Cooper Cup's down there deep, OBJ's down there deep. OBJ had a great game uh, last week. You know, moving on to this matchup, I, I think he's going to be a threat. Uh, but you're not going to beat Tom Brady in the time Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's just like he's he's the wall. The only team I think that can beat them is, I, I mean, us or the Packers. Obviously, I'm going to say us because I think we can beat anyone. But uh, the Packers are the other matchup, I think, realistically, that uh, can beat Tom Brady. Um, another one to look out for, too, in that Buccaneers-Rams game. Um, thinking back to the start of the season, the Buccaneers played the Rams in SoFi Stadium, and I think it was the first game with fans at SoFi. And the the Buccaneers got absolutely embarrassed, and the stadium was crazy loud. And we know Tom Brady can play with a grudge sometimes, so I think I think him going back to play the Rams one more time, he'll be back with a vengeance. That's actually a very valid point. Actually, I, yeah, when you talk about Brady and and revenge, it's it's a rarity you see Brady lose to a team twice. I probably should have done that before I made my picks for my other podcast. But 
Uh, but the thing here is the one thing that kind of worries me for Tampa is their injuries. And that's and I, I said this the other day too. Uh, we know Godwin's out. We know Fournette, I think, is expected to play, which is huge. But as if they got Tristan Wirfs and Ryan Jensen, their center and their tackle, able to play in this game, the Bucks are set. I think that's definitely set because those two guys, I cannot express how important they are to this Buccaneers squad. And I said this the other day too. Like, look, you can take away all the weapons outside. Tom Brady's still going to be Tom Brady. Like, Chris God was not there. Brady's still throwing to Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller like it's it's no one's business. Like, Brady's, just, Brady's been doing that his entire career. But if you take out two of your – and I this is a person – obviously, I think our offensive line has been phenomenal this season. Outstanding. But I do think, taking a little more of an objective view here, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line is the best in all of football. The way that they play and the way they keep Tom Brady upright – phenomenal and they 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 have hardly missed at a lot of time together they've played almost every game together so if they lose either Wirfs or Jensen going into this game when you're playing Aaron Donald and Von Miller looked good on Monday night he looked really good and that's scary if they have those guys healthy I think the Buccaneers will be good but if one of those guys is out I would definitely kind of lock in on that matchup and see if the Rams can kind of scheme there and take advantage of, of losing um, either Wirfs or Jensen in that matchup but We'll see what happens there between the Rams and the Bucks, but kind of going back into this game. Actually, I did forget to to mention. Obviously, when we're talking about the Cowboys game, I do want to get both your thoughts on what in the hell happened in that last twenty seconds or so. What were your kind of your thoughts? What was going through your mind? Obviously, I think all three of us. It was kind of hard for us to be calm at any point in time. But Jack, what were your thoughts on that whole Cowboys spiking the ball debacle in the last twenty seconds? I. I was just confused from the very beginning of that drive. Um, I understand that the 49ers defense didn't want to give up big plays and like whatever, allow a short throw underneath, but they kept allowing the Cowboys to get out of bounds and stop the clock. And I was kind of just, I don't know, surprised that they weren't pressing a little bit more. Um, And then, yeah, in that last 20 seconds, I was really surprised to see Dak take off running. I really thought they were going to take another uh, throw outside the numbers and try and get it out of bounds. And then watching the whole uh, debacle with the the official needing to touch the ball and the center keeping it for himself and the, the official got caught up in their line at one point and then the game just ending like that, it was this weird like 10, 20 seconds of everyone kind of standing around not knowing what happened. Um, and yeah, my, my heart was in my throat for sure at that point. Um, but I just, I don't know, I'm just confused on the Cowboys tactic on that one to run Dak right down the middle of the field. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I think I don't understand why we didn't, uh, you know, just press the outside more, make sure that there was no uh, completions to the outside and that we tackled everyone inbounds. Because if you do that, the clock's just running. They had no timeouts left. You didn't have to get into that scenario where they're down at the 50, at the 40, at the 30. And yeah, Dak's running. I, I don't understand it. And if you're doing that, you know you have to give the ball to the ref because you know the ref has to place the ball in order to snap it. So that's a huge misplay by him and the reason why uh, they didn't get that last play in the end. So, you know what? I was excited. We won the game. <laughs> I, honestly, I know a lot of people are kind of beating up Dallas about the whole quarterback draw there. I actually don't think it was a terrible play call in the sense that you look at the way the Niners were playing that specific play. They were, they were just guarding sidelines. So the entire middle of the field is open. 
So I can kind of understand Dak is a mobile quarterback, so he can go and take off. And you're obviously banking on the fact that you're going to be able to get to the line and spike the ball. The problem is they completely screwed up the spiking of the ball thing. The minute you get down, Dak should have went and looked for the ref, give him the ball, and they would have at least had a second left. But obviously, bad on them that they were not prepared for a play like that down the stretch because the play call was fine. But if they were just able to do to execute that hurry up and get to the line and get the ball to the ref properly, then they probably would have had an extra second or two on there. And then mind you, it wasn't any easier having Tony Romo on the call either. Literally just made that game 10,000 times more stressing than it already was. Oh, but, Jay, I was pulling my hair out listening to him during the game. Just like even at the point where the 49ers um, were, it was that fourth and in inches. And he was like, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo is like 30 for 30 on QB sneaks or whatever. But every time you had to bring it back to, but here's how Dallas still has a chance. But here's how Dallas is still alive. I just, I understand he was a cowboy quarterback and I, I get it. But just, it was driving me crazy how how much the announcers were favoring Dallas in that last three or four minutes. Should have watched Nickelodeon. Would have been better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great point, honestly. And I, look, I, I love Rome was an announcer in general. But I, I completely agree. I haven't really heard, I, I guess I haven't really watched many Cowboys games in full where Romo's been the announcer, but I heard the bias a lot. So I completely agree with you. I found it more than, maybe there's a playoff game that kind of added a little bit to it. I think this was probably his first game calling Dallas in the playoffs, but there it was a little too much. And I did not like that. And especially the whole play call of when Debo should have iced the game I don't know about you, about you boys, but I swear to God, the nose of the ball was a first down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I thought that was over. Like, that's what I'm saying. I thought that in somehow, some way, they overturned that. But anyways, it, it is what it is. Win is a win. But yeah, this, Romo did not make that any easier on, on that note. But again, the, the Niners got the win. That's all that matters. They're moving on to Green Bay. And this should be a heck of a game here. Um, Jack, just what? before we let you go. Oh, wait. Oh, I just that. I just had something to ask you about the uh, about that end Go of the Cowboys 49ers game when on that fourth and inches when they pushed over but Trent Williams got a penalty for a false start. Did you guys think he had set in his stance or not? Zach, you want to go he first? He wasn't set. He wasn't set. Yeah. I mean, it was the right call in the end. I mean, we had the right play. Jimmy just had to wait a couple, like a, another second, and the game would have been over. But you know what? It is what it is, and we won the game. Yeah, no, I agree. The refs called that correctly. He needed to get set in that regard. And then, yeah, J- Jimmy just rushed it. Like, I get it. As a quarterback, if you see a look, you got to do that. But my thing is, and again, I saw a lot of people on Twitter going off on it too, is why motion Trent Williams in the first place? Like, that's yeah. the part that I didn't necessarily understand. The thing I thought about too is Jimmy Garoppolo is probably used to George Kittle and Debo Samuel in motion on a play like that who are quicker and are going to get down and set faster than a big guy that's, like Trent Williams. That's a great that, point. Yeah, that might have thrown his timing off just a little bit. Yeah, no, that's that's an excellent point. Like, I, I don't, I didn't really understand it, but yeah, it was literally just a sliver of a second. If Jimmy had just waited one more second and just let him get set, then yeah, we would have executed fine. But yeah, that was yeah. that was kind of just, you know, it, it, is, it is what it is. It was kind of one of those plays where it's like, yes, we got it. And then it's like, really? Like, y'all had to like just a false start right now. But I don't know. It's it's Niners-Cowboys. I, would, I wouldn't expect anything less than how that game ended, to be honest. But 
I mean, we won, we're moving on. That's all that matters. But that fourth quarter was just absolutely wild. And I, I'm sure this game's going to be very similar, uh, especially when it's Rodgers and Jimmy, especially like how that week three, that fourth quarter with the same way. As long as I, I'll leave it, I'll chop it up to this, at least for my keys and my final thoughts on this game. Jimmy, no turnovers. Yeah, Like play, if you want to turn the ball over, do it in the first quarter and that's it. Like get it out of the way, get it out of your system and just, and just go out from there. If Jimmy doesn't turn the ball over, I, I think we got this in the bag. And we're able to take the ball away too. When the Niners don't turn the ball over and they force turnovers, I believe we're undefeated this season. So we can do that. I think we'll have a shot here. Jack, just before we let you go, give us some final thoughts on this game. Obviously, you don't have – well, you already said you're picking the Niners to win this game. But what are your final keys to the game and thoughts ahead of Saturday? Um, yeah, just something that's kind of been a trend with Aaron Rodgers throughout his career is if he goes down early in games, he doesn't seem to have a lot of fight to come back. Um, like, he tends to play better with the lead. So I think if the 49ers can score early, keep him off the field and kind of kind of break his uh, break his spirit a little bit, I think they'll be fine. I think that's what got them through that playoff game, uh, that NFC Championship back in 2020. And I think that'll be the key to the game today as well. And uh, just, I think, having Fred Warner and Nick Bosa back if they are both able to play, that would be huge because, um, you know, as he's an older quarterback too, he doesn't like getting hit. So I think if Bosa and Warner can get to him a few times, that'll uh, that'll crush the spirit. And I think that team lives and dies with Aaron Rodgers. So getting him on the ground and scoring early will be the key to the game. Yeah, no, no doubt. That's some great points there. Well, Jack, we appreciate you taking out the time, brother. And we'll have to catch up soon. And hopefully the Niners will get the job done and we'll be previewing an NFC championship game next week and not wrapping up the season. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, guys. It was a blast. No worries, man. Take it easy. We'll have you on again soon. All right. Sounds good. Have a good one. All right, Chevy, wrap this thing up. What are your final thoughts going into this game? Yeah, you know, the big thought, number one, is run the ball. You know, we that's what works, especially against the Packers. That's what's worked all the time in recent memory, especially in 2020 when Raheem Mostert ran for over 200 yards and what a game he had. You know, you get Mitchell and Debo in there, you get different looks, and you start with the run. If you can pound in the run, maybe score off the run, you know, run play action, get uh, a guy like Kittle open. Kittle's someone who hasn't been doing well the last couple weeks. Got to get him more involved. Yeah, you need to get him more involved. The last time we played the Packers, Kittle, seven receptions, 92 yards. Kittle, I'm expecting a big game from, you know, especially because he's been in a bit of a slump. So uh, I, I think that helps a lot when you're, we're in play action because Kittle's, you know, usually a play action guy. So uh, I, I think the big key is running the ball. And then, you know, our secondaries need to hold up like they did last week. If our secondary holds up, we know what our defensive line can do. Uh, if David Bakhtiari is not there, they're going to feast even more. So, uh, you know, we're, we're going to see. But as long as our cornerbacks can hold up against Devontae Adams and, you know, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon's, uh, MVS, uh, I'm at Equinemus St. Brown, if he gets in there, you know, it's just in general, like we, we, we got to stop the run. We got to stop Devontae Adams and we got to run our asses over them. Yeah, no doubt. And, and Jack said it best winning in the trenches against Green Bay. It mm-hmm. always comes down to playing in the trenches. And if again, prayers that Nick Bosa is going to be active for this game, because boy is hell that we need him more than ever um, to get that pass rush going. Um, we're able to get to Aaron Rodgers, hit him, and not give him time in the pocket. It's, you know, we, we got this. And then I love the Elijah Mitchell-Debo Samuel prediction that you both said earlier because 
Elijah Mitchell was missing in this game, and Debo Samuel wasn't wasn't playing the brand of football that he is right now earlier in the season when we played Green Bay in Week Three. If we're able to do that, I I think we have a real shot in this game, man. I'm not I'm nervous, but I'm really excited, and I know that we have a shot to get this job done. Niners Packers, would you want it any other way? Lambeau Field, Frozen Tundra, January Niners Packers, Shanahan Lafleur with a trip to the NFC Championship game on the line. Well, that'll do it from this episode of the 49er Way Podcast. Faithful, rest up, and get ready for Saturday night. It's probably another heart-wrenching game as it's been the last two weeks. I would expect nothing less from Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and this Niners team. But hopefully, we will be previewing an NFC title game next week and not wrapping up the season. But hope everyone enjoys the game and rests up because it's going to be a fun one. That'll do it from this episode of the 49 Away Podcast. And of course, don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more Niners news and analysis. And we will see y'all next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the 49 Away Podcast. Keep it locked and stay tuned. We have a lot more Niners content coming your way. And don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more 49ers news and analysis.